Welcome to the 140th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Barry Lancet, author of the new thriller novel, Japantown. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Barry Lancet, the author of the, of Japantown, the first Jim Brody thriller novel. J.J. Abrams and his production company, Bad Robot, have optioned Japantown for TV. Barry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Sure. Well, can I have you read the first couple of pages from your new novel, Japantown? Uh, sure. Not a problem. Hold on just a second here. Sure. Dig it out. Right. Chapter one, San Francisco. Two shades of red darkened the Japantown concourse by the time I arrived. One belonged to a little girl's scarlet party dress. The other was liquid and far too human. City officials would evince a third shade once reports of the carnage hit the airwaves. But long before the news jockeys began grappling with Japantown slaughter, <clears throat> the problem landed on my doorstep. Minutes after receiving an urgent summons, I was charging down Fillmore in a classic maroon cutlass convertible. Before the midnight call had interrupted my evening's work, I'd been repairing an 18th century Japanese tea bowl, a skill I picked up in the pottery town of Shigaraki, an hour outside of Kyoto. Now... Even with the top down on the cutlass, I could still smell the stringent lacquer used to fix the thumbnail-sized chip on the bowl's rim. Once the lacquer dried, I'd apply the final flourish, a trail of liquid gold powder. A repair, a repair was still a repair, but if done right, it restored a piece's dignity. I swung left on post hard enough to leave rubber and cut off two gangbangers tooling uphill in a flame-red Mazda Miata. A crisp night breeze swirled around my face and hair and wiped away every last trace of drowsiness. The gangbangers had their top down, too, apparently the better to scope out a clear shot. They slithered in behind me, swearing in booming voices I could hear over the screech of their tires, and in my rearview mirror... Angry fish shot into the air as the sleek sports car crept up on my bumper. A pistol appeared next, followed by a man's torso, both etched in ominous shadow against the night sky. Then the driver caught sight of a police blockade up ahead, slammed on his brakes, and snaked into a U-turn. Drastic change in direction flung the shooter against the side of the car and nearly into the street, arms flailing. He managed to grab the frame of the windshield and drop back into the Miata's cushioned bucket seat as the car peeled away with a throttled roar of frustration. I knew the feeling. If I hadn't received a personal invitation, I'd have done the same. But I had no choice. A marker had been called in. When the phone... Okay. Okay. We'll stop there. Okay. Okay. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Japantown yet, how would you describe the novel? Um, it's, it's a mystery thriller and it opens, it opens in San Francisco, Japantown with the perfect murder. There's five bodies and one clue no one can read. 
And that one clue is a Japanese kan kanji. And the kanji is one of the, the ideographs they use in the writing system. And then Jim Brody, uh, the protagonist, who's a Japan expert, and was he's an American, born to Caucasian parents in Tokyo, and grew up there, went to the local schools, knows the culture, and is basically uh, knows every, pretty much everything there is to know about Japan, is called in by the San Francisco police, because he now lives in San Francisco. And he uh, slowly tracks down the meaning of the kanji. And it takes time, and step by step, he deciphers the kanji. And when he looks, and he tracks it from San Francisco to Japan, and then he looks back over his shoulder, and he sees, well, he's tracking the kanji. Somebody's tracking him. Gotcha. So, well, as the title suggests, and as you just explained, Jim Brody, your protagonist, travels to Japan. And I know that uh, you've lived in Japan for many years. What what led you to Japan originally? Um, I always had a desire to live overseas. I grew up uh, on the West Coast uh, in California, and uh, I was born in Ohio, but basically the, my families are from California, so I grew up there. But I wanted to see more of the world. And that was from a very early age, maybe from the beginning of junior high. And by the time I got to college, I sort of decided I would like to work overseas in publishing for a while, maybe in London, maybe in Paris. And I took a few years off from school to um, work to get some money and then travel. And I met some Japanese folks who said, well, if you're going to travel, why don't you come to Japan? And I said as a joke, well, maybe I'll take the long way around to Europe. <laughs> and I meant it as a joke, but in the end, that's exactly what I did. I went there first. Uh, I was amazed uh, uh, and astounded with uh, how modern yet how, how um, mysterious the place was. And then I went from there to London and Paris, and then I came back for a while. <laughs> Then I went back to school, and something just drew me back eventually. Gotcha. And and when you when you moved to Japan um, the second time, uh, did did you know how to speak Japanese? Um, you know the the first time I went, I didn't know a word, uh, and I, but I picked up oh I don't know maybe three four hundred words and you know a dozen phrases. That's about it. But because um, uh, I was there for a few months, and then. When I went back to finish my last year of college, I took, uh, quote unquote, a year of Japanese language there. I actually had had the I was able to do that. And but it was the quarter system. And a year means 10 weeks, 10 weeks and 10 weeks, which is hardly enough for such a complex language. So by the time I went back, I knew a few more phrases and a few more words. Uh, and I had a basic understanding of the grammar. But it still took time to learn it. But I did learn the language eventually. And 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 what was that process like for you? Not only learning the language, but 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 also kind of learning about the culture. Because how long have you lived there now? <laughs> yeah. Well, my original intention was to go for two years, mm -hmm. um, and I figured that in two years I could learn everything. You know, I'd, I'd become fluent in the language and I'd learn the culture.
and so many people uh, uh, that had gone there and you know went for two weeks and then started writing stories, they weren't they didn't have much depth to them. So I figured, well, if they could do that much in two weeks, in two years, I should be able to do a lot. Well, after two years, I barely scratched the surface, and uh, my language ability had made progress, but it was very slow. So I said, well, I've got to got to do this. So I gave it another two years. After that, um, I taken another step forward that was about it so uh, I, I suddenly things suddenly jumped up uh, my language ability skyrocketed my understanding uh, uh, deepened quite a bit and I was able to uh, communicate with people and I learned a lot uh, my job gave me access to inside uh, insider view of things I didn't have. And so by the 10th year, I really had a very good handle on it. And so, so, so I know that you worked in book publishing in Japan. W what led you to write Japantown? Had you always wanted to write a thriller or mystery novel? I may have lost you. Are you still there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I, I said, uh, I know that you worked in book publishing in Japan. What what led you to write Japantown? Had you always wanted to write a mil uh, thriller or mystery novel? I'd always wanted to write something. Um, I got interested in uh, reinterested re in books in college, and I and and I read some some books that were just uh, blew me away. And I thought, well, I could do this, and I want to do this. It seemed interesting, so I had this idea to write. Uh, a book. I just didn't have a subject. And when I went to Japan, I I had a subject, but I didn't know it. You know, it took me a while to, as I just said, uh, to to figure out the place, uh, because it does. Japan and her people don't reveal themselves uh, very quickly. And um, so I had the idea to write a book. I had an idea to write something about Japan. And then um, one day I got hauled in by the. Um, uh, police for a non uh, non criminal charge and interrogated by a very interrogated by a very crafty uh, police inspector and sometime after that it was a fascinating encounter it was this, it was this cat and mouse sort of exchange and sometime after that I said well okay I've got the book I've got Japan maybe I can do a mystery thriller sort of thing that's how it started but it developed in stages like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and given that you know the editorial process and how publishing works, was there any surprises for you to, to be on the other side of the desk, so to speak, as a writer trying to write a, a compelling novel? Uh, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had, uh, I'm, I, well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed publishing. I enjoyed being an editor for a number of years. I mean, it was, to me, it was an ideal job. And for a lot of people in Japan, they used to come up to me and say, well, how did you get that job? And so many people, um, you know, tried to get in uh, similar jobs in Tokyo. There just weren't that many. And but when I when this happened and suddenly I found, you know, I didn't have the I didn't have the daily commute, which was. Um, um, you know, which in Japan is, is a little bit challenging. Uh, you're in the, you're in a you're in a commuter train with uh, tens of thousands of other people in one train, and um, I didn't have that. All I had to do was wash up, clean up, get dressed, and walk around, walk down the stairs and around the corner, and I was at work. That was that was a very pleasant change. <laughs> and um, 
given both your editorial and and now as as a as an author yourself, what 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 advice do you have for aspiring writers who may be listening? Um, there are several things. The, the most important, I would I would say, is do something every day. Um, if you if you want to write and you feel you need to write, make sure you do something every day. You know the the people often say write every day, and that's true once you're once you're doing it full time. But if you've got a day job or and or a family and or other responsibilities, you often can't carve out that time you need to write. So the next best thing is to do something on your book every single day. And that can be, you know, outlining a chapter. It could be thinking about a character, working on a bit of dialogue, any number of things. But it, even and if you can't get, you know, the couple hours that would be nice to have, you know, even even a half hour, 15 minutes, five minutes uh, is enough. Just keep doing something every day. And if you do that step by a small step, you'll end up with a finished manuscript. Great. And and what what books and authors have you have you read lately that you would recommend or that made an impact on you and that you would mention? Um, I, I read very now? widely. What am I reading now? Actually, I'm, unfortunately, I'm writing so much. I'm not reading very much at the moment. It's amazing what uh, how much time that takes. But you know, I'm reading. Um, um, uh, because I'd spent some time in Italy a few years back, I'm reading the monster, the monster of Florence, which is a um, true crime thing by Douglas Preston. I've got what else have I got? I've got People Who Eat Darkness by a guy called Richard Lloyd Perry, which is a story. These are two true, well-written true crime novels. I actually don't read much true crime, but suddenly I have these two novels on my desk. Uh, these two true crime books on my desk. Um, I read um, uh, Lee Child, of course, and uh, Robert Robert B. Parker, although he's not writing much anymore. Right. Well, maybe he is writing much. Um, yeah. um, but I mean, I, I reread his stuff on, on occasion. Sure. And uh, there, are, there are a number of interesting things around. Great. Well, what, what are you working on now? What are you writing? Um, I'm working on the second Jim Brody uh, novel that's almost done, and I'm getting ready to start the third. When when I first got the initial contact about Japantown, it was initially going to be a one book deal, but we got to talking with um, um, the woman who eventually became my editor, and and she heard I was working on a second book, and in the process of negotiation, one book became two books uh, as long as it was another Jim Brody novel. They seemed to really like the character. They liked the direction he was going in. Uh, uh, and, and his name is in the contract. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Barry Lancet, author of Japantown, the first Jim Brody thriller novel. The book is in bookstores now, so definitely grab a copy. And Barry, thanks for doing this interview. My pleasure, Jeff. It's great talking to you. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.